0: Pray to me, Tell me to your bed. Hello and welcome to the Bed Post Podcast. I'm your host as always, Erin Pym. Here at the podcast, what I like to do is bring super sexy guests into my bedroom to have a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. This week, uh, I have a really fun sex professional, a sexual wellness and relationship coach uh, here in the bedroom with me. Please welcome to the mic, Cat Nance.
1: Hello, thank you Hello. for having me. Oh my God, it's
0: so nice to have you here, all the way from Guelph. Yes. Oh my God, yeah. and I get you in the flesh too. That's
1: right, <laughs> in the <laughs> flesh- t- thing of flashlights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get to see you in the flashlight. Let's just change that that phrase, in the flashlight. <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk to you about today, which I'm very excited about, and I have no experience with, (laughs) and I feel like our listeners don't have much experience with, we've not covered this on the podcast hardly at all. I can only think of one episode, really, or maybe two episodes way, way, way back. By the way, don't go way, way, way back. Uh, (laughs) Just don't. Uh. (laughs) don't listen to early episodes of any podcast no, no it's not there no podcaster wants you to do that no. um <laughs> but i feel like the episode like caitlin cohaney she was super pregnant while i interviewed her and oh, we were talking about yeah. stuff like that um yeah uh but uh, honestly in years have not covered this topic mm. and it's sex and motherhood yes yes I, I, I imagine you're a little intimate with this topic.
1: I am very intimate with this topic. I yes. have an almost one-year-old. So You have
0: an almost one-year-old. Yeah, I didn't realize week. they were that young.
1: I know. <laughs> wow.
0: So this is a, a, it's fresh. Uh, fresh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a fresh conversation. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Um, okay, so Kat, I'm wondering why um, why this topic interests you and why you enjoy talking to people about sex and motherhood right is there a
1: story is there a
0: story behind that
1: yes there is uh I think it started for me mostly when I was pregnant because uh, I thought a lot about how my partner and I spent a lot of time planning our lives around okay when can we have sex and so you know realizing that when we have a child that's not going to be a possibility when we have like a baby who's around us 24 7 so I think I didn't understand the extent of that, of being pregnant. When you're pregnant, you don't get how a child is going to change your life. really, really... There is no preparing a person for that. And what it's going to do to your body. And so I think especially for folks who are pregnant they're experiencing the changes as they go but their partners aren't quite seeing it and so then there's this like the second we have the child we're like okay we get it but our partners take a little while to catch up (laughs) to being like oh my god everything's changing everything is different now it's like yeah I know (laughs) my body has been taken over (laughs) I remember thinking while I was pregnant like people you know um thinking a lot about how like you know this isn't I'm not doing this. Like your body is so primal. And that really was the first experience of being like, this is a very primal experience because if I chose how I was going to carry and grow this child, it would be a bit different. Like maybe I wouldn't have had so much back pain or maybe I wouldn't have gotten so massive or those sorts of things. But, um, so I think this topic is really close to me because it's, I think for a lot of people who have children, it's this experience of, um, not being at home with ourselves. Mm. Uh, I remember feeling really homesick when I had my daughter. Wow, what an interesting choice of words. Yeah, it was for the first several months where I just, like, I kept saying that, like, I feel really homesick. I feel homesick. Like, I don't feel at home in my body. I don't feel at home in my life. Like, everything is 100% different. And I went from being a two to being a three. And that's a really intense experience, especially when all of your big feelings are for your partner or partners. And that shifting to, like, all of your feelings are about, you know, this new little person in your life. And, And really trying to manage, like, what does sex look like in our relationship now? Um that like you know I don't have that 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 intensity to be with you the way that I do with my child because now those feelings have transferred and that intimacy and that touch and you're like it's a very intimate relationship with, with your child which I think is again something we don't talk about a lot because the, the wording is weird people don't want to say erotic and child like erotic yes. and baby but like it's an erotic relationship it's so deeply nourishing there's this like really Large depth of love that you feel for them and you're just sort of like enamored with them And so, you know trying to also remember like okay There's this other relationship that needs to be able to thrive through this not just like get through it and survive And so I think you know for I really started seeing I have a lot of friends who have babies at the same time We all connected and so to see that all of our bodies really needed to heal at different stages like my partner and I (laughs) We rented a hotel. It was like two weeks after I had my baby And we went out for two hours, like start to finish, rented a hotel, went and had anal, and then came home. And it's like, I mean, most people aren't doing that. But I look back on it and I was like, what the what hell? What is my I life? Think? What yeah. is my life? Yeah, exactly. And like, I remember the first time walking in and I'm meeting like this group of women who are like now my mom friends. And like, we'd been writing on group chat before that. And I'm like, just got back from having anal sex. And like, this is, like one of the first things that they ever learned about me. So, so just like to set the tone, you know, you really want to like scare people off right away and like give them an opportunity opportunity to opt out. And, you know, <laughs> here's what I'm about. <laughs> the opt out a <of> friendship. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to talk a lot about sex.
0: Okay. A question I'm thinking of is like, when you're pregnant, are there things you need to know or are things that are helpful to know um, how you're pregnant, how your sex life with your partner and with your help with yourself as well, perhaps mm-hmm. is going to change throughout your pregnancy, like before the baby even gets in the picture. Like, are there some helpful sage <laughs> 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 things that, that um, people maybe would not think of that, that would be helpful to know about what's going to change just yeah. through the pregnancy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think everybody's body is different and responds differently. So mm-hmm. for me, in the end of my pregnancy, I had um, a lot of sexual desire. So we were we had a lot of sex. But for other people's bodies, it means that they don't want to have sex. It's really uncomfortable for them. Um, so I think... It's very, it's a very unique experience, depending on the person. And I think it's really important for people to check in with themselves and make the decisions about, like, am I having sex? Is that for me or is that for my partner? And just, I, if more than anything, I really think there is a lack of negotiation with partners around, okay, things are going to change. What does that look like for our relationship? And I think, you know, what I see would be really help, helpful for a lot of new moms and, and new parents is that you know how powerful it would be if they were to negotiate and say can we just say that sex is off the table for the first 6 weeks the first 3 months the first year at whatever it is that you think and then you know if you're feeling called to that and you feel like that is a way that you want to connect with your partner sooner than that time frame, then you open that back up and you have that conversation. But what I see is and what I experienced myself is a lot of pressure to be having the same amount of sex that you were having before or have the same relationship to your body that you had before. Because that's also a huge thing is your whole relationship to your body is different. 100% 100% different you do not feel the same it doesn't work the same in what ways in what specific ways can you tell me yeah well it, one if we're just looking at the hormones just in yeah. general the hormonal shift that happens like all the way through pregnancy but especially like once you've given birth and and in the first few months there's like a massive shift and it's there is a huge ebb and flow and that's like large spikes large drops of like all of the hormones. And so that's really, really impactful on your body and your desire to even like want to be touched or be near people or um, yeah. having energy, having I'm sure, yes, that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> if your like basic needs are not being met and they're not, and especially you know that begins for people at the end of their pregnancies because you're not sleeping the same, your body is not comfortable. you have like you can sleep on your left side. I think it's your left side. You have, like, one side you can sleep on. You can't sleep on your back. You can't sleep on your stomach. You can't sleep on your other side. And so you have this, like, one position where you can sleep with, like, 20 pillows around you. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. Oh, my God. not a lot of movement. Like, so it's, like, you're really, really uncomfortable. You have to pee a lot. Yeah quite emotional and and then there's this like really intense need to nest and feel safe and so Mm. like you know if you're in an open relationship and you're non-monogamous and you're pregnant that is that's also a thing that might bring up a lot of feelings it might feel like you really need to close the relationship for a little bit and you know what if you act as free agents in your non-monogamy like what does that look like how do you also you know, honor each other's autonomy, but also get that, like, this is a time of massive adjustment and, you know, we need to both, like, you know, part of the nesting is needing to be able to feel really safe and meeting, needing to feel like everything's really stable. And so bringing in new people or new things that you have to, like, you don't want to process anything new at the end of your pregnancy or the first several months. Mm-hmm. That's so a, like, great, no that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> like, no new negotiating. Yeah. No bringing in new new things. like No surprises. No surprises. <laughs> No surprises. We already, like, as people don't like new information, right? We get new information and we're like, whoa, whoa, this is too much. Shock, shock. Yeah, I need time to process. But you like, you can't process when you have not slept in months. Mm. Months. <laughs> <laughs> months. <laughs> months. <laughs> I went, like, the first, like, four months of my daughter's birth. Like, I didn't sleep for longer than 40-minute intervals. Wow. At, there was a one I would time... die. I would die. I'm yes. not, and I'm not being facetious.
0: No. I would actually um, completely die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think under any other circumstance, people would. Like, I don't know how mothers function. Like, they're actually superheroes. And that's another yes. thing to get is, like, you are a superhero. <laughs> and that's, like, it's pretty incredible to be able to function. And then I went back to work at three months. So, <sighs> so I was, like, not sleeping. Yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, I really... I felt like I had, I felt like at the time I had really good access to my sexuality still. And then I had this experience where I think it was like five, five or six months in and my partner and I had like this really incredible experience and, and it wasn't like anything different than what we'd been doing, but I had this experience of really coming home to my body. Like it was the first time I actually felt like, Oh, I'm home. I'm back. And I just like, I wept. I just like wept the whole time, wept for like many like minutes and hours after. It was like I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm here. I'm back here." But it took me that long to come home to my body. And it, what do you think uh, precipitated that? I don't time, I don't think knows? anything. Yeah, to be honest, anything, I think it's just everything. Everything, anything, nothing. <laughs> I, just, I think my, I had finally leveled out and just sort of felt like my life was a bit more mine and my body was a bit more mine. And, and I was just like, you know, you. it's really hard to feel like you belong to yourself when you have a newborn and you have a husband who is used to getting all of your attention and all of your energy. And like you go from having sex like five to seven times a week to like you're having sex like once a week or twice a week which is like that's a lot for like I don't want pe- other people to think like there's yeah. the standard. <laughs> yeah, that's your personal experience. That's my personal experience and you know I think that that's important too like I was really committed to maintaining my sex life because my I really wanted I knew that was this a really important aspect of our relationship and the identity of our relationship so I put a lot of energy into maintaining that mm-hmm. and you know when I talk about that, I really don't want other people to feel like that is the standard. And yeah. I think it's really important to check in with yourself and give yourself that time to not feel like you have to perform and show up for that, that aspect of your relationship because you know, your body has like, even just like the way that your genitals are not configured.
0: Yeah. I, like, my next question was going to be what, as far as sex goes, change did anything change for you did you enjoy new things did you enjoy things you mm-hmm. you used to enjoy did you enjoy them less like yeah. did you have new new things pop up when it actually comes uh, when we we're talking about actually being in the bedroom did things were things different
1: for sure yeah for me personally i did not like oral for like several months after yeah. it's just like i didn't i didn't feel anything i had uh, i had had a c section and so all births are quite intense. Like it's very intense. No fucking kidding. Yeah. <laughs> mine was especially intense. And there was a lot of, uh, birth trauma. Um, and then there's not a whole lot of support after it's like, you just sort of get sent home and then it's like, well,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, like just all fend for yourself deal with that. There yeah. You
1: go. <laughs> yeah. It's really intense. And so it was a lot of like, uh, my partner and I both processing a lot of trauma because him feeling like, Oh, I thought I was going to lose my life partner and then our baby was like sick and then we were you know so all of these things so he's feeling quite vulnerable and I'm feeling quite vulnerable um so I think you know I had quite a big disconnect between myself and my vulva and my vagina which generally have a a very lovely relationship too (laughs) an intimate relationship a very intimate very intimate loving relationship um I had had a c-section and so the left side of my vulva still is is like numb like I have nerve damage there yes um so part of it is like I just I don't feel there and also it's very sensitive so I don't feel plus it's like it's very sensitive Interesting um, that it's both. It's I feel it's nothing both, yeah. but everything. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's so like don't touch there or in there. I don't feel that you're touching me at all. Wow. So it's quite intense just to be like, okay, I feel differently down there. And now I have to adjust to being to having a different body. Like my body is different. Um, this uh, is what's reminiscent to me when you're talking about that is it's um,
0: – a good friend of mine, Claire AH, who you may or may not be aware of. She talks about sex and disability a lot. She had a stroke at a very young age. Um, and uh, part of what she had to adapt in her sex life was that, yeah, part, half of her body had a lot less feeling than it used to. And that extended to like her vulva. And it was like, I, I literally cannot feel part of my vulva. So you have to, how, how do you, how did you figure out how to adapt and move forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have a really great partners, so that's helpful yeah. in that, you know, we just did a lot of, like, pleasure mapping and sort of exploring, okay, what kind of touch does feel good right now, and a lot of patience and a lot of, like, patience for myself with my own body, because um, going from having a very different experience with my body to feeling like it's not mine and I don't have feelings in certain spaces, and, and I do have a, a disability, and so having a baby and then having like having, a, having her by C-section meant that for six weeks I wasn't really able to be very active. And um, I have Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease and it's you have a lot of muscle wastage, wastage quite quickly. And so for somebody else, their muscles wouldn't start wasting in that time frame. But for me, they did. And so I, I experienced a lot of weakness in my legs and, mm. and in my back and in my hips. And so then there's just like a whole adjustment to that. Like now my body really does not feel like it did. Like just six months ago. I've literally
0: lost muscle mass. Yeah. A lot of muscle mass in this time frame. Yeah, So sex
1: looks different because like I'm weaker. I'm not as strong. I'm not as resilient feeling. And, um, it just, you feel like there's, I just didn't feel as sexy as I had felt before. Yeah. Like really feeling comfortable in my own body. So there's just an adjustment to like the way things now feel and look. Um, what can partners do? Your yeah, partner or partners question.
0: do throughout this whole process to be the most supportive.
1: Yeah, it sounds
0: like you had a pretty great supportive yes. family. <laughs> yeah, around you, like poly family around you. But yeah, are there things? What What can you do to help your poor person that has gone through a pregnancy <laughs> and a birth? Yeah. I think
1: um, as as far as
0: like sex life stuff, like fostering yeah. um, and thriving and and doing all that good yeah. stuff.
1: I think something that my partner really nailed, like him, the my partner Matthew, is that he really he's always like praised my body and mm-hmm. I think for him, like my new my like my new body, like my motherhood body, mm-hmm. like, he he really praised how beautiful and sexy it was and really like that that I think that really helped yeah. for me to get like any way that my body is, it's gonna be like sexy. Um, and you know it's great to be able to think. Well, we have to feel that way about ourselves first and self love. But you know, I don't always believe that. But actually. I mean, I think... I'm not. I'm not gonna refuse a compliment. <laughs> I'm uh... not gonna refuse a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> and if he wants to worship my body, great. Um, yeah. So I think that that really helps. I think also again coming back to the negotiation and taking some things off the table where normally they're expected in a relationship. And if you're wanting intimacy to show up faster, like how can you take some of the stresses off? Like honestly sleep like if somebody is not sleeping why would they want to be intimate Mm -hmm. why would they want to be having sex like i I, who would want that's why i have (laughs) such a high sex drive i sleep like a
0: baby right (laughs) exactly (laughs) i need 12 hours or else (laughs) i'm like a solid nine hours for me too oh god if i don't get nine uh yeah I feel you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which mothers, any new mothers right now hate me. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I, I that that makes a lot of sense to me. The sleep and sex drive relationship.
1: Yeah. If your basic <laughs> needs aren't getting met, you can't you don't experience pleasure in your body. You don't have access to pleasure the same way. Like, can I orgasm? Yes, sure. Of course, you can orgasm. But that having an orgasm is different than experiencing pleasure. <coughs> Like an orgasm is just like sort of like a response, you know? a physiological <laughs> response happening. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of like not that. you
0: being in your body and you yeah. having the proper focus and uh, yeah, energy exactly. and all that stuff.
1: Even feeling that. the same sensation of somebody like you know running their hands over your body, it doesn't feel pleasurable the way that it and you're does. You're like, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, I just want I want to nap. <laughs> So I could have 10 more minutes of sleep if I don't have sex with you. <laughs> yeah, so just, yeah, let your partner sleep. Yeah. Let yeah your, encourage and, the sleep. Yeah. Try and help them get as much sleep as possible. <laughs> I think something that really helped me a lot is we talked, we talked quite a bit about like, we don't know what it's going to look like when the baby comes, but like, let's try and prep as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we said for three months, we're not going to talk about non-monogamy off the table our relationships closed and to me that was such a relief to to not have to think about that because like now I'm in a new relationship with my baby and yeah that's, like, I have all that's the NRE for her and I I can't manage thinking about that and I'm like I have no capacity to think about that uh, <laughs> no or to feel like my partner is off you know being able to be intimate with other people I was like no that's you know I not I'm ready me, for that I'm not ready for that that's I'm not not where I'm at Um, So that to me was really, that was, that felt really, really good to be able to take that off the table and to say, okay, we're going to take the time to really um, adjust to being parents and, and negotiating things like, like lots of check-ins, like let's check in once a week to see how are we feeling, how are you feeling in this relationship right now, how can we be supporting each other, Um, like what are your needs that aren't being met right now and how can we make sure that they are getting met and, you know, just sort of, like, prioritizing certain things, like, you know, maybe he doesn't love doing certain things that I used to do around the house, or maybe he doesn't have as much energy for those things, but, like, I don't have as much energy for intimacy and sex and touch, but, like, I lean into that, and sort of, for me anyways, that was really important to be able to to lean in and nurture that part of our relationship, and I'm really glad that I did, because, you know, now I feel like we're really at even, like, a better and more deeper place than we were before, so... Um. I have an interesting,
0: an interesting kind of question. Since you you are bringing up being polyamorous, um, and you know potentially closing the relationship for a while during you know a pregnancy or a birth or what have you, however, whatever length of time you two kind of figure out and determine, um, or the length that you two or three or four or five of you determine um, is so if it's, if it's closed, then how you're saying, um, make sure your you know, your partner's needs are met as well. What happens there with say, for me, when I'm just thinking about it, because I know nothing about it, I've never been pregnant and I've never had a baby. Um, I would think that that would be a time that, cause I'm in a poly relationship as well, that I would want that my husband might need to be with other partners sexually mm. because I would not be as available, potentially. Do you have anything to say about that? And, and I totally understand that, uh, say, I would be, if I'm in the pregnant, if I'm the pregnant person, that would probably be the worst time for them to go do that. Mm-hmm. Yet that would be the best time for them to go do that, like for them.
1: Yeah.
0: For my partner's Yeah. sexual... Well-being.
1: Yeah, I get that. And then they're bringing that energy and aliveness back. And um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So when my partner and I like officially closed it and said, "Okay, we're you know we're we're closed for this period of time," we weren't seeing other people. Like we didn't have other relationships. And so I think. This is very unique because when you venture into non-monogamy, you are designing your relationships how you want them. And they are up for negotiation, up for designing and redesigning over and over again, whereas that's not how monogamy works, right? Not generally. And so I think everybody's situation would look very different. But, you know, asking sort of my opinion would be, you know, if we'd had established partners at the time, then those are people who are in our life. Yes. And so to me, that would feel, you know, the... That's nothing new for me. Yeah, Yeah, that's nothing new. That's nothing new. And you're
0: like, don't, maybe don't invite new, but the existing.
1: Yeah. Of course, because
0: that still stays in that safe, comfort Mm -hmm. place for me. Like, I'm safe and comfort with your long term partners. Right. Just new ones.
1: Yeah, and if Got you're it. like in Got sort it. of like a poly family yeah. and then that's that is your support network. Yes. So to me yeah. it's like I have a lot of very, very rich intentional friendships and they are not romantic or sexual. I mean some of them are. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing to a friend in the room. <laughs>
0: We're gonna uh, have sex next week. So w- w-
1: winking a double gun <laughs> w- over w- there. <laughs> 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 but you know for me that's I had that support network those you know there was meal trains set up there were people showing up and cleaning my house and and bringing me food and doing everything that I need and people that I'm checking in with and so to me like that's important. You don't want to cut out your support network. No. So you're that's just, the last thing you should do. Yeah, yeah. that is the last thing you yeah. want to do. But, you know, having a conversation around like what's it going to look like? Can, you know, we have some freedom to just explore or just settle in and lean into this massive shift in our relationship and how can our partners or community support us without it feeling like we have more people's feelings to manage because you might feel it, it's so hard to say how different people would feel, right? Like some, some folks might think, great, yes, go be able to get those needs met somewhere else so that I can be freed up from that. And yeah. that's actually really great. I, I really get that. Yeah, so if that's your headspace... Fucking go. Fill your boots. Fucking go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Go. Yeah. (laughs) And then like watch the baby for me for like six hours after with (laughs) all your energy while I sleep. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because like sleep is going to be the most important person for the baby, person who just birthed the baby. Like sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. (laughs) You are deprived. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that might be a good yeah. place to take a break, okay, actually. Great. Okay, great, okay. So I think we're going to take a break, and then um, in the second half, since we're kind of starting to talk about the Polly conversation, I'd love to continue that with you in the second half, Kat. Um, so that is exactly what we're going to do. So we'll see you in the second <laughs> half, everyone, with Kat Nance.
2: Everyone, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsors for this episode. Our first sponsor is Oasis Aqua Lounge, a sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. It is a body positive environment and they are shame and judgment free when it comes to pleasure and play. They're an inclusive and diverse venue welcoming of all sexual orientations and gender identities. It's also a community hub for all sex positive folks, educators, entertainments and businesses. So thank you so much to Oasis Aqua Lounge for sponsoring during this episode. Our second sponsor is Come as You Are. Come as You Are is an amazing sex shop that is founded here in Toronto and it is located at comeasyouare.com. Come as You Are is a trans-owned trans-operated feminist anti-capitalist sex shop that wants to give you the best products at the lowest price possible. And they're going to prove that to you by offering a 15% discount when you check out at comeasyouare.com using the coupon code BEDPOST. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. And our third sponsor for this episode is Unicorn Collaborators. Unicorn Collaborators is a business that has been running here in Toronto for about five years by two queer unicorns. They mostly make leather goods and they make everything from collars to cuffs, to thigh harnesses, to boot harnesses, to the regular pelvis strap-on harnesses that you've come to know and love. Unicorn Collaborators is a body positive brand which means that they make products for all body types. And if they don't have something in your size, they're happy to make a custom piece just for you. Give them an email at unicorncollaborators at gmail.com, follow them on social media, or DM them for inquiries. This week's sponsor is Lovecrafters Toys, a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that offers products like strap-on compatible tentacle dildos, dragon egg Wa balls, and squid butt plugs. These geeky and playful products are body safe and handmade using platinum grade silicone. And if you want to purchase these whimsical sex toys, check out the Lovecrafters Etsy shop or head on down to our full-time sponsor's website, comeasyouare.com.
0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm here with sexual wellness and relationship coach Kat Nance.
2: Yeah. Hello.
0: <laughs> we thought we'd kind of continue our conversation um, about motherhood, and also we've been it's kind of been morphing into a polyam conversation yeah. as well, which I love. It's one of my favorite topics yep. <laughs> to jam on. So I thought maybe we would yeah, we talk exactly on that. What happens when a baby is brought into a, um, I want to ask, poly family? I know that's probably not your personal experience being Mm -hmm. in a poly family, but brought
1: into an open uh, dynamic. Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's quite unexpected. Um, <laughs> I think we, for speaking for myself, I really was not prepared for how intense it would be. And so I was really glad that we had negotiated a closed relationship for the first few months. And, and at the time, my partner and I were not in other relationships and we weren't seeing other people. So for us, it was sort of, you know, much more simple to do that. And for other folks, it really wouldn't be because, you know, we sort of talked about this on the break a bit. But um, what about for folks who are in relationships in an open dynamic where they have established relationships and established partners. And where do those people come in? Because, you know, it's not really ethical to say, you know, now for three months or six months, you don't have access to that person. Um, and that's sort of, you know, talking about similar to veto, right? Like how do we just say no to somebody else's relationship? Um, so I think that that's quite challenging. It would be a lot of negotiating with all of the people, but a, ba- a baby has their all needs, not just like high needs, their all needs. Like you don't get to, negotiate with them about them getting their needs met by somebody else (laughs) you know like it's it's constant so there is a, a time period where I think for the first like three or four months it's really a big massive adjustment in meaning that Um, that is all you can think about. Like when you think about NRE and how that really makes you obsess about a person and they're all you can think about and it's really hard to sort of level those feelings out. It's like that times like a thousand (laughs) for your baby. (laughs) And so now you have your autonomy being impacted, your partner's autonomy being impacted, Mm -hmm. this intense desire to be with your baby all the time. But like also like you really need space and sleep and all of these different things. So your basic needs aren't being met. And so it's hard to just... Really, you're in a space where you need all of the people in your life to show up for you where you're not going to be showing up for them at all. Mm, Very one sided. It is very one sided. Yeah, because you don't have you're not going to have the capacity to hold, uh, like do the emotional labor for a partner or a friend who's going through something. You don't have the capacity, but you need them to show up with all the food and do the dishes. (laughs) And, and you know, I think a big one for me was like I had the people in my community, you know, a big request for me was that they remind me who I am. And they, you know, support me in bringing back my identity because you can get really lost in motherhood. And I think that's great to do that for a little while. But for me personally, I really needed to to know that I was going to come back to myself. So a big part for me was, like, who are my people that are going to remind me who I am? And that these other parts of my identity are very important. My sexuality, my work, and being able to play and go out and do things that are, you know, really exciting. Mm -hmm. I remember... After we had had our daughter, I we went tobogganing. It was, like, two months in, and I went down. It was, like, it was weird that she wasn't on my body. So it was, like, first, like, she's that's how rare it was that she wasn't on my body. And I laughed so hard that I cried <laughs> because I was, like, I haven't laughed in months. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Oh isn't that so sad? It really is. Oh it really is. So at the same time, you're feeling such as in-depth de- and intense love. Like, there's a reason where we are... Pumped full of oxytocin and all of these different chemicals and hormones when we have our child. Because if that were not true, and the reason why they're so cute, because there were moments where I was like, I could just put her outside to the coyotes, you know, like just like, <laughs> I could just leave her here. I could just leave her here. I love you, but honestly, you're terrible. <laughs> like, if anybody else demanded that kind of anything from me, I'd be like, oh, you're so no. out of here. I did not agree to this. <laughs> We have not negotiated this. So there's just like such intensity, right? So I could really, I think it's really great if you had, you know, a role that your partners could be playing is that they bring more fun back, right? Because they're not that, they're not like that nucleus sort of family. They're not that, you know, associating, you're, you don't associate that with them. And so I think like that is really, you know, a really powerful role that other partners can be playing in That you know that in that like transition is to like bring a lot of the fun and the joy back to the relationship and um like do something that's interesting that's not like you know get you get you guys out yeah Yeah. out without the baby on you Yeah, yeah and depending what your parenting style is like like if yeah and if you're breastfeeding like the person who's had the baby then like the baby's not leaving your body. There's, you know, very rare times, like even the bathroom, like it's like they're still on your body mm-hmm. most of the time. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah that's really <laughs> intense that, you know, there it's a person that's not leaving your body. So you really can't be with other partners in the capacity that you were before. You really do need a time frame where that relationship drastically shifts as well. And, to, you know, to be able to be able to negotiate that and see, like, you know, is that something they're still up for and opting in for? Um because that's a lot to ask of all the people in your life to, to experience that transition if you're like in a romantic intimate relationship with, right?
0: Mm-hmm. What about dating? Like you're, yeah. say you've got, you've got a nesting partner. That's your dynamic. Yeah. Um, what about dating uh, other partners, like new partners yes. when you're, when you have, when the, the baby's grown a little bit, yeah. you know? So that's where my partner and I are right now. Just, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> I just <laughs> signed up for OkCupid like a few weeks ago. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> OkCupid okay, is your platform of choice? Yeah, I guess so. I mean... <laughs> like, I, I, don't, so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've been on a dating website in so long. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm on there. And One, it's so nice to just like be acknowledged as an autonomous person and not just like mother. So that's been really lovely. Mm-hmm. But it's... um. Is it on your profile? Yes. Your so mother? My profile, uh, talk. oh, I don't know. If, yes, it is. It is it says that I'm a mother and that I'm in a non-monogamous relationship and i have an anchor partner and, um, you know, just that I'm, for me, I only have the capacity for, you know, what I like to call like sexy or romantic friendships oh. where, you know, sometimes they have sex and sometimes they don't. And um, I, I do not have capacity and neither does my partner to, you know, invest in other relationships because our daughter takes up a lot of that space
0: and is that something that is a change like did you have um did you engage in emotionally intimate relationships before having your your daughter Um.
1: We've had, I've, I've recently come across this term called, uh, like a clopin' relationship. <laughs> it's like closed open, closed open, closed open.
2: <laughs> that's a ping pong relationship. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's been a ping pong relationship. <laughs> so that's been our dynamic. I, we, in the first, like, year that we were dating, we were invested in other sort of relationships, I think, especially me. Um, I'm much more outgoing, so it's easier for me to make those connections. Um, so we did have that, and then it was closed, but we've always been open to like kink and play so we've always played with other people but not always had relationships where we're going out on dates and spending that sort of time with people okay um so now we're shifting into okay that's what we're we're wanting to create that in a relationship which is interesting that now we're bringing that much intention to it when we have the least amount of time for it (laughs) and so we a part of our our like sort of negotiation and that opt-in opt-out for people like letting them know right up front because especially when you have NRE you want to spend all your time with people and you get really excited but really being able to scale that back and set the intentions ahead of time and and be very clear that like you know I will only will be able to see you a couple times a month and no matter how excited we are about each other like I literally do not have the time in my schedule to make that happen and so that means other folks really need to be up for that right Mm -hmm. so you've got to have like have
2: that all in your profile So that yeah,
0: yeah,
1: basically, so that nobody gets
0: disappointed,
1: right? That's right, yeah. And I, um, it's really easy to get caught up in that, right? And and you're texting a lot because you're getting to know each other and all of these sorts of things. And but, um, being really clear about setting the boundaries and parameters around that because it's really disappointing that then six months in, it's it's like I actually don't have that time for you. Um, so just like give that to them up front, so then they can decide like actually I need to be able to communicate more with the people in my life, like, that I'm in romantic relationships with. Um, so
0: ideally, what does it look like for you now that you're a mother? What does your polyam
1: dynamic look like? Ideally, for mm. me, I'd like to fuck all my friends. <laughs> That's just, that would be ideal, because I've already <laughs> built the relationship. To, you know, I don't got time to meet new people. <laughs> oh, my
0: God.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't that be so great? It's like, I'm already so invested, mm-hmm. and there's all this trust and mm-hmm. love already there, and then we could just, like, fuck once in a while. <laughs> But, like, half of them are non, or half of them, more than half of them are monogamous, and so they won't have sex with me. So, (laughs) you know who you are.
0: (laughs) I'm talking to you, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Barbara. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And, like, just open your relationship already. God. Just for me. You kind of
0: mentioned uh, kink a little bit. Mm. Where does um, kink tie in with all this? With polyamory, with motherhood? Yeah. Where does kink come in for you? Where does kink come in?
1: Where Um, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually what I want to say is where doesn't it? Uh, Non-monogamy for me is very tied to kink, and so. I that is more exciting to me than just like going out and having fun dates with people because I sort of feel like oh I could just like do that with my partner or with my yeah. friends um so you're a person that kind of seeks uh varied
0: experiences a lot of novelties yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of novelty
1: yeah uh, my anger partner and I are both that way we need a lot of novelty a lot of freedom a lot of autonomy and I think a lot of people who do not know me are you know, drawn to it for those reasons. Yeah, certainly. And so, um, I love I love kink for that reason and that yeah. I also
0: Yeah, I always say I have a kink for trying new kinks. Yes. Yeah, like adrenaline seeking, right? I have a kink for trying new things. Yeah. I'll literally try anything once. Same. And and just for the reason that it's new. Yeah. Yeah, me too. The first
1: scene that I did when I went into the kink community, like cute little tiny bouncy 24 year old me (laughs) (laughs) going to the kink community. The first scene I ever did was with my now partner's dom at the time was a needle scene. Wow. Like, yeah. what was like, I who does thinking? That? Who? I don't dip. I jump. This
0: <laughs> <So, laughs> first like, scene is like, <laughs> needle
1: Like, a lot of needles. <laughs> there were, like, a hundred. This first <laughs> It's just, like, who jumps into that? Like, oh, my goodness. That's really funny. So, that's, like, that was my reference point. So, you know, I've tried most of everything. And, yeah. you know, I'm an extreme player. And I think my biggest draw to non-monogamy is a lot of hands all the time. Lots of stimulation, a lot of play. Like most of my first sexual... Overstim. Overstim. Yeah. Just like... (laughs) just So much. So much. All of it. All the time. (laughs) All the stim. Like I think most of my first sexual experiences were group sex with friends and... Wow. Yeah. And so I've always loved a lot of... A lot of people there. A lot of people there. A lot of people in the room. Yeah. So to me, I'm just like... How could that not be part of my life? Like even when my partner and I uh, like close our relationship, it's like not to that though. But not to orgies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not to like a fuck ton of hands all over my body. It's so funny. Obviously,
0: obviously that's, that's never off the table.
1: So how do you get to do that still with being a mother? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know what? A lot of it more now means like I'm going out and doing it on my own, and he's staying home. Okay, so or... that used to be a thing you would do together. Yeah, yeah. It was, a lot of it was, like, we did a lot of play together, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of those sorts of things were extensions of our relationship, and now it's, like, it needs to be organized that it's one at a time going, or... Right, because one has to stay with the baby. Yeah, or we're doing sleepovers, like, our baby does really well with sleepovers, and... So we're really lucky that we have a lot of grandparents very close by, so. Oh, that's nice. Um, and that. a, what do you say when you, you're you oh, like, man. gotta go to an orgy, mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Will
0: you take the baby? We make up shit. And we just like. <laughs> you're not like, I got this kinky play party. No. This femme kinky play party. I mean, I can
1: say that to my mom, but not to yeah. my partner's parents. No. <laughs> it's funny because his sister follows me on Instagram and I hope she doesn't watch this. And I'm always like, please don't watch any of my interviews. Like, <laughs> you know. Just like, I think she must not. Just she, unfollow she just me. She's must like, yeah. And <laughs> I was me. like,
2: please don't. <laughs> just.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So I think a lot of it's just sort of negotiate. We're doing a lot more on our own, and mm. before we used to like to do a lot of things together. Like doing, that's a change. You know, kinky camping, that's huge. That's, that's a actually, big change. That's a big change. For How us, are you yeah. finding that? Um. I think for me, it's a big shift because I I always like an anchor person that I really trust when I'm playing. So like, if I go to play parties, like. Um, I'm up for playing with a lot of people who I don't know very well, as long as I have like a trust anchor. Yeah. Just one person. There just on one that... person who like, uh, you know, is sort of anchoring me in that. And I can see that they're checking in with me, mm-hmm. especially cause I like to play really extreme. Yeah. So like a consent monitor kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, and so now, you know, I just, I have to negotiate differently in that, you know, I'm playing with people I'm more familiar with and, um, or you bring another partner,
0: maybe, that is yeah. can serve as that, you know, yeah. that tonight anchor for
1: you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Your daily anchor. Yeah. Your second second in charge. Yeah, Second in charge. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, you just have a list.
2: That's a good idea. You're
0: like, <laughs> who would like to come with me? <laughs> Yeah, who can be the substitute anchor for this evening? Yeah. yeah. And um, how do you foresee this kind of changing or um developing into the future as your child grows and Mm. becomes kind of uh inquisitive and aware Mm. how do you foresee
1: things happening with your poly stuff your kink stuff yeah i think in terms of as long as things are age appropriate like she will just know everything um I mean, she, yeah, I mean, not everything. <laughs> Let me rewind for a second. <laughs> That's not fair to her. <laughs> um, I think, you know, once she is at an age where she's, like, asking those types of questions, then um, we will just answer whatever questions she has, honestly. I think, yeah, that would be our approach. Um, I am very cautious of, because we do have, my partner and I do have a lot of sexual energy, and we're very physically affectionate, and we are that way in front of her now— Um, because she doesn't she's too young to get what's happening but I think my rule of thumb is generally like if there if there's any like sort of touch between the parents um, that the child needs to feel comfortable in joining in and otherwise it doesn't happen in front of them so to me that's like that's the golden standard if we wouldn't invite her into the touch it doesn't happen I think that's
0: a great rule yeah that makes it so clear for me it is clear
1: yeah because I think a, a you know my mom was a highly sexual woman and and there were a lot of things that like i was like you, you know i'm not comfortable with seeing this but when, you're, when you were young when i was a, a kid yeah. yeah and so and i this is something i get with a lot of clients is that you know they're grateful that their parents are in touch with their sexuality yeah it was traumatizing them because they they don't understand <laughs> wow, there's yeah. no there we don't we don't understand why that type of touch is happening and we get that we are not in, included so this is the mm-hmm. thing is that as kids we get like i don't feel comfortable joining in but so why is it happening in front of me
0: yeah
1: So I think, you know, that to me, that's why that, I think that standard is there. Like if, you know, our daughter wouldn't be comfortable joining in in this cuddle pile, what are we doing that, you know, is not appropriate? And so I think for people who have a lot of sexual energy and they're really in touch with their sexuality in that way, um, to be, that they need to be really careful because it can be very traumatizing. Even though you think like, oh, we're just being affectionate. It's like, yes, but would you touch your child that way? Mm -hmm. No, great. Don't, don't do that touch in front of them then. Mm -hmm. And why, why make that rule? like what's the importance of having a standard like that yeah um well I think from for me with my own experience and seeing this with clients I can see that there's there's a lot of years of sort of undoing that discomfort that feeling of like something is not quite right here and especially um if we're talking about consent and consent is really about you know am I choosing to be involved in this? Like, is this something that's okay for me to be a part of? Like when we're thinking about children um, and children can't consent to that type of like being a part of that sort of touch happening that they're also not invited into, but yet it's happening in front of them. And this could just be like butt grabbing in the kitchen. Right. And so, you know, if you go from being like a twosome where you're able to just be affectionate with each other, however you want, however you please, whenever you want, um and then now you're going to having to shift around like your touch has to be, you know, in the bedroom or in the bathroom like you're sort of stealing kisses here and there like um, that's a big shift for a relationship but also like you are not just the two of you anymore and you're responsible for this like tiny human and their development and they are not developed in a way that they can understand that sort of touch. So it's a um so it's a consent thing. It's yeah. a bodily
0: autonomy thing. Yeah. Right? Um what are what are some I, I'm sure you've got them. What are some early things we can teach our kids about bodily autonomy and consent mm-hmm. from very early on?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one because if you say this to most parents, they're going to like... They're going to be like, what? There A lot of them are going to disagree. Um, so one is asking if you can ask them permission to change the diaper. Um, Interesting. Or asking permission to change your child or put new clothes on them or wipe their face. And especially when they get to around my daughter's age, which she's almost a year, they get really resistant when something happens to them without being checked in first. And people treat babies and children like they're stupid because they don't like because she doesn't use the words that we're using right now. Therefore, she must not understand them. And that's actually not how their brains work. Their brains do comprehend quite a bit. And so when things are just how do we feel when things are happening to us? Like anything, like it without feels like, our
0: control or consent. Yeah, you're
1: stuck in a job where things are just happening to you, or you're stuck in traffic and it's happening to you, or right. whatever it is. When we feel like something's being done to us, we resist because yes. we love our autonomy. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't, if you know, if we're you know that we're consenting to something, like I drove in from Guelph to Toronto, and I knew that there might be traffic. Great, I'm consenting to it. But if now, if I'm like stuck in a traffic jam, I'll feel like I'm trapped. So there's a difference there, right? So when we check in with children, just to say, you know. This works with my daughter. When we don't check in, she flails. She hates it. She doesn't want it. And, like, there's a lot of resistance. But when we check in and we're like, hey, can I change your diaper? I'm just going to change your, your, like, your bum now. Yep. Then she's just like, whatever. Like, there's, like, a, there's an, a noticeable. a yes, a very noticeable difference. Wow, interesting. Because, yeah. I mean, all people have
0: seen a mother with a baby wipe trying to wipe a kid's dirty face or dirty nose. And the kid's like, like, squirming to get away mm. from it. Like, Whereas, yeah, that's a very interesting point to be like, mommy just wants to wipe your nose, you know. Mm-hmm. Can I wipe your nose? Right. And then, like, I'm sure they feel their nose needs to be wiped. Uh, and not, actually. actually.
1: They don't care. That's the thing. is like, <laughs> yeah. it's good to check in with ourselves and be like, who am I doing this for? Me? <laughs> right. Because, like, I'm abiding by these social standards of, like, what a good mother looks like. And um, when I'm a good mother, then my child is clean and diapered and all right. of these things. Like, you know, there's a lot of pressure to be that way. But, like, who cares? I One of my best friends, like, her, she has wild children and they're going to turn out to be <laughs> incredible adults because she just lets them be them wild and their faces are like always like dirty and they and who cares they don't care honestly so it's great we can just like let that go and not care ourselves or check in and ask them yeah because you know when my daughter decides that she's really like f- fuck no to me changing her diaper then we just like give her a couple minutes yeah, it's like just go around, like yeah, stay so in your if... poo diaper because you don't care. Or we take it off and she goes around bottomless, yeah. so she pees on the floor. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. it's like half the people who have kids have animals. Like you're cleaning up their shit. Like just <laughs> wipe it up, get over it. <laughs> and what about when it comes to touch? Yeah. Um, like
0: tickling, hugging, oh my gosh, yeah. kissing a relative that they don't know. Yeah. All this stuff.
1: Well, I think that's so interesting because our generation is really present to that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think more often than not, most people really get that consent is important. We don't want Aunt Judy just like getting her face all up in our baby's face. Um, but the, that generation does not get it. Yes. And so we've. Yeah. What we've, can. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the answer is
0: obvious that, you know, you correct people. The, yeah. He, yeah. So what can we do to help the older generation be like, yeah. you can't just molest my child. Yeah. they, You're a stranger to them. Yeah. And they feel uncomfortable. Like when this aunt that they see once a year and they don't yeah. remember is kissing them and it, asking for a, not asking for a hug <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah what can we do to tell the grandparents the you know mm-hmm. that they need to ask first what's the best way to go about that
1: yeah i think one thing to also get first is that we really have to check in with ourselves to see what what social things are we still playing into because you know we're afraid of being you know excommunicated from the tribe mm-hmm. so this is a great one because mothers struggle with you know setting those boundaries they struggle with advocating for their children because they know that, you know, they don't want to be the one to, like, ruffle the feathers and be that mom. Um, So I think, you know, checking with yourself and getting that, like, your first priority is to advocate for your child. And, like, you really have to overcome that urge to keep the peace and, like, not make a big deal out of it. But it is a big deal. Because if they don't get consent now, like, oh, my God, every person that I can think of, if we had taught consent and, and had people actually... Abide by that as, like, young children. Like, I can just, you know, half the work that I do wouldn't need to be done. Right. Because people would feel autonomous. They would feel at home in their bodies. Because the first thing that babies learn is that their body's not theirs. Like, I'm the authority figure here and i'm going to be the one that directs your where your body goes and what it does and mm-hmm. and like also i'm not going to protect you against like like touch from other people because wow. that makes me uncomfortable what messages it's really messed wow. up and we don't think about it we're like oh it's not a big deal but it is a big deal and so the the appropriate thing to do is to advocate for your child and that looks like saying that's actually wrong and i've had to do that where you know a grandparent is like going in to kiss her and she's turned she turns her face away and the grandparents response is to say oh you're making me really sad and like being like nope like literally putting my hand up and being like stop that sentence right now that's actually not fair like lenore my daughter is allowed to say no to physical affection she doesn't it's not her job to manage feelings if you are sad that, you know, and to be blunt and just, like, sort of, like, say, like, nope, that's actually not okay. Like, that's an antiquated way of thinking. It's actually not okay to say that. Mm-hmm. And having to, like, actually jump out of, like, your own discomfort and stand for your child's, like, autonomy and, you know, body. So we've done a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have had to uh, really undo a lot for myself because like I love her so much and I just want to cuddle and kiss her all the time right and she turns her face away she doesn't want kisses and I'm like oh, blah, blah, blah. and then I catch myself and I'm like wait a second and I'm like no she doesn't owe me affection no matter how much it hurts or I'll say things like oh I can't help it I just want to kiss your face and I'm like Damn no, I can't yeah, say like, that to her. That's mm-hmm. so fucked up. What so the fuck? Up. I can't help it? And then she grows up. She's 18 and some boy's like, oh, you're so hot. I just had to grab your ass. It's like, well, obviously like, she's going to accept that because like her mother did that to her. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Wow. Right? Yeah. And so I catch myself saying these things and I'm like, whoa, that's so messed up. Yeah. And so I really have to like, I'm checking myself. It's a lot of growth. It's wow. a lot of growth on my end to be like, wow, like to be the mother that I, you know, hold myself to be the... To really support her in having the best life possible means, like, I really have to do a lot of work on things that I had no idea were there. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, Kat...
0: We should be wrapping it up. I love that we've had this conversation. I feel like we could even go. Yeah. We could go so much longer on it. For sure. But I'm so happy uh, at the time we spent on a topic that does not get talked about on this podcast op- yeah. often. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having. Oh me. my god, Thanks so much. Are you able to tell people um, where they can reach you yeah. if they want some sexual wellness and relationship <laughs> coaching and whatnot? Y'all can't see Aaron
1: right now. Which yeah, is so cute. Wild like, gesture. Yeah, great gesturing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me at catnants.com And I do one-on-one coaching and I do uh, one-off workshops. And then by, um, I'm more known for my extended series of workshops. Today, so I do like five weeks long, things like that. So that it's a lot of work around deconstructing our beliefs about sexuality so that we can actually like powerfully choose something different. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram as Katnance. And you can follow me on Facebook as Katnance. So
2: I'm easy to find. Just Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Just literally type my name Just anywhere.
0: Just type
1: my name and I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> thank um, you so
0: much. Uh, thank you so much, Kat. Um, if uh, you're listening to us on iTunes or another podcasting platform, you know, give us a rating and reviewing. That goes a really long way for me and my business. Um, if you are uh, in Toronto, a Toronto resident and want to see the Bedpost stage show live, we We do that the third Friday of every month at 8 p.m. at the Social Capital Theater. If you're listening to us uh, on the podcast and you're hearing original music by Stephanie Copeland, you can check out her uh, amazing music at stephcopelandmusic.com. if you happen to stumble across the rest of the sonar network podcasts, I would love if you would uh, give a rating and reviewing to them as well Uh, we have a great website so if you see one guest a lot of the guests have done multiple podcasts in the sonar network so take a listen if you like a guest from my show you can most likely find them on another show on our podcasting network Um, and lastly but very not leastly I want to give a huge thank you to you Kat thank you so much for coming all the way from Guelph yes from consenting to be in the traffic <laughs> from guelph to toronto santa claus today traffic on well. the santa claus parade thank you what Kat. Are doing?
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me
0: and thank you to all of you who are listening we love you and we'll see you next week bye Bye-bye.